Hey guys, this is Zach with a little pre-podcast announcement. Now, I forgot to cover this in the introduction, although I do mention it later on in the episode, but you guys should know that next episode we'll be diving in to book one of the High Republic, Light of the Jedi, with likely some special guests, including Star Wars Explained and the Templin Institute. So read that book for next week if you're interested, and of course send your questions to tapcaftransmissions at gmail.com. The week after that we've got an interesting episode where we will be discussing the physics of Star Wars. Now, today's episode is a catch-up on some of the emails we've gotten, so just a reminder, tapcaptransmissions at gmail.com, and if you enjoy this podcast, make sure to leave a rating at your podcast player. With that being said, let's roll the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Tapcaft Transmissions. I am one of your lovely hosts, Justin Eckhart's Ladder. What would be a good last name? Star Wars That's my last name. Joined wow. by my other lovely host of Tapcaf Transmissions, Corey loses. It's it's been a while. It's been how long since since our beginning or since a proper Tapcaf episode, I guess. Well, are you counting the Mandalorian episodes as proper Tapcaf? Because it's been a long time since uh, yeah the pre Mandalorian ones. Yeah, yeah. I've barely so, I've forgotten how to read books. Yeah, I mean. That's the thing when you rely on Star Wars for all of your entertainment, all of your worldview, like we do, of course, um, when we take a break, it's just our brains start to atrophy, which I think helps explain this introduction. But we're, we're here with a very fun episode today that we've been kind of promising for a while. It's the mailbag episode. So we've got like three months, I think, worth of emails to cover uh, all the way back from when was Jeff's email, Corey, do you know? Uh, I think it was like the end of September, maybe end of October, somewhere between September and October. Mm -hmm. Because I think some of the last book episodes we did for the Young Jedi Knight stuff, we didn't answer questions in that because we'd be Mm -hmm. getting, we thought we'd be getting to this like the week before you had uh, your daughter. So yeah, we all know how that worked out. Anyway, before we begin though, we have some, dare I say, shocking news, um, from probably one of the most important and active parts of the fandom. And do you want to read out the email we just got, Corey? Because I, th- I think it kind of segues uh, nice. The one that we just just got? Or... Yeah, just okay. just got. So, yeah, we have uh, our first question that we're getting to here is mm-hmm. from Tino, who says, Hey, Corey, hey, Eck. I've been a longtime fan of the podcast, but could you explain the Akbar X Winter ship for me again? I'm very mm-hmm. out of the loop. Great podcast. Hope you keep the tangents up. We have right. we have breaking exciting news on this front, guys. I don't mm-hmm. think you understand just how I've I've known Eck for for a while now. I'd say we're borderline friends almost at this point, well, and I don't know that I've ever heard you quite this excited about anything. No, I mean this is like almost up there with seeing my kids for the first time. But as a bit of background, in uh, the Jedi Academy trilogy, there's. There's some sparks flying between Admiral Akbar, who of course is Admiral Akbar, and Winter, who's <laughs> basically the childhood friend and personal assistant of Princess Leia. She would go on to date and marry Tycho Selkuf, famous Rogue Squadron pilot, and I think they would maybe have some kitties. I don't I don't remember exactly. But I don't know. We just felt like there was something there. Like there's parts where like she seems interested. She's really happy to see him on a lot of occasions. She's with him almost all the time when he's mm-hmm. uh, like when he's getting back into the military in the NJO. Uh, mm-hmm. Winter's there with him. Yep. She kind of becomes his personal assistant after mm-hmm. Leia doesn't need her to raise her children anymore. Uh, 
So, but it for it was kind of a fan theory based on some stuff that we had read. But yeah, it was. It started off as a joke, but then we have been we've kept digging. We've like kept picking. It's unironically something we believe in now. Yeah, and I'm just gonna put this on the screen so you guys can see this, just to see that I'm not fucking around here. We have a quote from the Essential Guide to Characters. Now, don't go to the trash new Essential Guide. That's censored, very heavily censored. You guys know how that goes. Uh, I'm just going to read this quote for you guys. Um, After careful consideration, Leia and Han decided that that Anakin would be just as safe on Coruscant with them. Shortly thereafter, Winter accompanied Admiral Akbar to the planet Vortex for the reopening of the Cathedral of the Winds. She expressed her happiness that Akbar had returned to the Alliance. He, in turn, expressed his own pleasure pleasure that winter no longer the winter was no longer exiled on enough and this is the interesting the very very well, interesting part hold on before we get to that wasn't uh during that series wasn't akbar with winter a bit alone on enoth as well yeah he was very... when he's visiting well he, anakin's there but yeah he, he anakin ain't no visiting stitch. anakin <laughs> but yeah yeah so. let's not keep the people hanging anyways the next the next paragraph <laughs> is the really juicy one keep the, the white-haired hanging. beauty and Akbar enjoyed each other's company a lot over the years, both in their tasks for building the New Republic and in private. Ladies and gentlemen, there you go. Like it's been confirmed. It's been confirmed. Like like that's confirmation in the exact same, uh, basically the exact same passage is in Ak. Actually, not basically. It's the exact same passage is in. Akbar's section. So there's love there, obviously, between Winter uh, and uh, here I'll, I'll see if I can show you guys what she looked. It's gonna be hard because I'm. Nah, it's not. Gonna right, are you getting it. that picture though? No, I was try- I was trying to move my thing so I could show the picture of Winter in the book. But yeah, we've we've confirmed it, and it's just I think it's it's like when you discover something, like you know, when you're writing an essay. You find that one paragraph you needed to, like, support your thesis or whatever else. And th- th- this is what I feel like, but instead of it just being, like, something boring, like a- an essay, it's, like, kind of my life's work in a way. But, as I said... <laughs> I will remind you that you have two kids. Yeah, well, I said what I said. But anyway, you can't go to the new essential guide for this because it's been censored. Um, winter winter is barely even mentioned in that one at all yeah uh, she's mentioned in two sentences of Tycho's, mm-hmm. uh saying that there's one point where it says they met and there's one mm-hmm. point where it says they got married her uh, entry has been removed in multiple senses of the word Tycho spends all of his time with wedge <laughs> like he's never around winter uh he's just hanging out with wedge all the time mm-hmm. so Yep. They're like winter had some needs that weren't being fulfilled and mm-hmm. uh Akbar Akbar was able to satisfy those needs. That's mm-hmm. Yeah. This is a judgment-free zone. Yeah, no, for sure. This is Star Wars after all. It's not the first interspecies relationship we've ran into. With that being said, I think we should get into the real get rid of the jokes. And our first unanswered email actually comes from uh Jeff who says, what is the horniest, most sexual Star Wars book you've read in your entire life? Um, I feel like I know what your answer is to this, although I haven't read this book yet. What do you uh, think my answer is? I think you'd, you're you going to say Lost Stars. Yes, definitely. I completely forgot about that, but 100%. Because 
because that was when we had Alex on for the Alphabet Squadron book. When we were talking about uh, future stuff we'd be covering. I seem to remember both of you going pretty heavy on that. Uh, yeah. No, like Lost Stars is legitimately like like a horny Star Wars book. Um, it's also good, like that notwithstanding, or because of that, depending on your perspective. Um, but yeah. What about you, Corey? I feel like uh, whichever book where Gavin is uh, trying to start to Jaina. try to get with what? No, not oh, Gavin. Oh, Gavin. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was thinking of um, yeah. Well, I I, I'm thinking about Corin's like the intersection of Corin's old sex stories mm-hmm. and uh, I guess I Jedi because that's where you get like the most Corin mm-hmm. raiding women. Mm-hmm. That's when you get like peak stack poles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree that that's probably up there for me as well. Um, Corin just he's just pure like pure masculine energy. Um, it's it's hard to contain that. So any book that he's in is, you know. Well, let's continue. We we have a uh, Javier, a, a frequent emailer, I'd say. He asks about the alternate universe where. George never sold Star Wars to Disney. Do we think that there would have been a live action adaptation of Legacy of the Force or Fate of the Jedi? No. George was interested in telling his own stories and he famously was not a fan of uh, Other than Darth Talon. Darth Talon would be the only one that would have made it. Uh, Mm -hmm. Which page is this one on? Uh, This is email 53. I was going towards the... Okay, so you're on the second page. Cool. I mean, uh, I, I, what I actually meant was that we have a very, a very good system for this. Uh, we're very. Uh... Am I not doing it right? No, you, you are. It's, okay. I, there's okay. no wrong way to do this, Justin. I just okay. wanted to make sure I was on the same page as you. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think the chances of us getting like there was never any chance that the the sequel trilogy that George was going to make would have been uh, what we got. Legends related. Any any sequel trilogy we got was going to be something that would have resulted in uh, either the split we did get between like legends and new canon or mm. Prequel at least situation. something similar or like what my, in my opinion, the worst situation would have been like trying to keep like part of it and then put this new trilogy in that overwrites mm. parts of it. But then they still continue telling some of those stories. I feel like the bigger separation is better there and just have that be its own story. Have this be its own story. Maybe someday we'll get like, other stuff like the Marvel Star Wars 109? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It? Yeah, that the 109. Continued. That was like still set in. Well, Legends. 108 was the one that came out. If they made another one, it'd be 109. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I, I really doubt we're going to get sent anything set between like Crucible and Legacy Comics. I'd love that. Yeah, but I don't think there was ever any chance that it was going to be. Uh, it was going to be NJO or Fate of the Jedi or. Legacy of the Force that got turned into movies. Mm-hmm. Or Dark Nest. It was definitely not going to be Dark Nest. I mean, they could have done what they did with the prequels, where it's like, it, it's kind of the EU's job to make it work, but yeah, that, that yeah. probably would have been messy. Well, uh, thank you. look at how bad it was with the with the Clone Wars in all the stuff that was said in the in the like post-Endor stuff that we did have, and then the prequels came in, and the idea of the Clone Wars was entirely different. So... Mm-hmm. It would have been even worse if there were actually stories set in that period that were being overwritten rather than just references that mm-hmm. kind of get pushed off to the side. Or like, 
oh no, we know it wasn't the clones fighting the Republic, fighting the Jedi, fighting the Empire. So mm-hmm. it's yeah, it would have been a mess. Yep. Fair enough. Next up, we have frequent emailer Joel. I'm not sure if we'll be able to get all your emails, Joel, because there's a lot of them from you in here. Um, but this one's pretty interesting. What's the distinguishable difference between Imperial Warlord and factions like the First Order in canon and the Remnant in Legends? Is it because the Warlords are based around individuals within the First Order uh, and the Imperial Remnant have more institutional legality to it? Curious to hear your take on this. It's like we don't really know a whole lot about what real Warlord factions look like in Legends. Like, we haven't seen too many based far off from, like, the Battle of Jakku. Um... I guess the Imperial Remnant itself had a bit of legitimacy, which I think is, like, kind of one of the key factors. Like, various Warlord groups have, like, had, like, different levels of legitimacy, um, where some were, uh, like, you could kind of trace a, like, direct line to the Empire, like, whether you had, you know, moths there, or, like, whether the technical secession could be traced, whereas others were just, like, some imperial warlord took all the the ships he had and decided it'd be epic to fight the new republic um but like in effect they're all the same they're all just enemies of the new republic yeah and like if you ask the new republic at any point or if you ask mon mothma at any point the empire was never a legitimate faction like that was the rebels line of reasoning the entire time so uh even the empire itself wouldn't have been legitimate Mm mm-hmm Essentially, legitimacy comes from your ability to actually act on the power you are claiming. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of the warlords, that was non-existent. The mm-hmm. institutional strength didn't go out much beyond them as a person. So mm-hmm. from a political science standpoint, they were less legitimate, whereas the Imperial Remnant, so like the Empire under Pelion or under the Moth mm-hmm. Council, would probably have had a bit more of that. But the fact that Palpatine dying split it up so much kind of shows that the mm-hmm. actual institutional strength of the empire wasn't that strong or as strong as they would have liked to pretend it was just one strong man and then kind of well, all built on that the remnant was the only one with any sort of longevity as well because like most of the warlord factions were like under three three years or so so yeah um, or they'd have like a couple planets after that yes exactly but... anyway next email comes from uh hans who said he recently bought the Thrawn duology. Uh, are there any Star Wars books I'd read before? This is an interesting one. This is one that he says he's read the Thrawn trilogy, the X-Wing novels, Truce of Bakura, which he didn't enjoy. Uh, I called him an incel on stream when I played against you guys in Squadrons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that does sound that does sound right. Um, do, you want, do you want to answer this one? I feel like I'm kind of taking a lot of these. Uh, I'm still just stuck on the incel thing. Uh, it's like the question so i yeah i would say like if you've read the thrawn trilogy the thing about a lot of timothy zahn stories is that you don't really need to know too Mm -hmm. much about the other books in star wars to read them Mm -hmm. uh so which in some ways can be a good thing because uh you don't have that same burden of knowledge but it does mean that they're typically less connected to a lot of the other stuff other than what other authors will bring in from zahn uh, mm-hmm. So you're pretty much safe going from the Thrawn trilogy directly into the Hand of Thrawn duology, and you'll be fine. The way uh, I see it is that the Thrawn trilogy and the duology are 
based on an in-universe chronology anyway, kind of like the book, well, not in-universe, release era chronology, I should say. Yeah. The bookends of the Bantam era. So if you're going through the Bantam books and you don't enjoy it, then yeah, if you read the Thrawn trilogy and the Thrawn duology, you've captured most of the really big things that you'll need. But for me, I enjoy the Bantam era, so it's like, it's it's kind of bittersweet to read the Thrawn duology because it's, you know, it's the end of that, so... Yeah. If you're not, I'd give it. I'd read a few more books. What's what are some Bantam books you'd recommend besides X-wing novels and Thrawn trilogy set in the New Republic era? I mean, I would say Courtship, but if you don't like Trusa Bakura, there probably is some of the same stuff you don't like in Trusa Bakura that's in Courtship as well. Uh, Trusa Bakura is pretty damn boring, though. <laughs> like, that is true. Trusa Bakura a lot of is dinners and like. <laughs> yeah, I guess if I, any scene I think of from Trusa Bakura is like one of three dinner scenes. Yeah, me too. So. So yeah, that's they're fair. In the, they're so in a wood cabin for a while. <laughs> yeah, if your problem with Trusic Bakura was that it was boring, uh, then courtship is probably still fine. If it was more like tonal or about mm-hmm. being like fantasy versus sci-fi, well, I guess mm-hmm. like Trusic Bakura is a bit farther. Courtship's even. Yeah. I, yeah. So, but, I guess for other books that I would recommend in the era, probably the the Jedi Academy trilogy is pretty important. Um, I don't but think it's good. you can also just read I Jedi, really. Um, I would, recommend I Jedi. Don't read like just read I Jedi and don't read Jedi Academy. I thought you were gonna say don't read I Jedi, and I was gonna be very surprised. <laughs> no, like it. If you if you are going to read Jedi Academy trilogy, read Jedi Academy trilogy first, then read I Jedi. If you read mm-hmm. it the other way around, it just like honestly like you're you going did. from a better. Yeah, I think that might mm-hmm. be part of why I was so down on the Jedi Academy trilogy. It's because, mm-hmm. like, all the good parts of it, I just read written slightly better <laughs> mm-hmm. in I, Jedi, and then went into uh, the Jedi Academy trilogy. But I guess mm-hmm. the benefit of the Jedi Academy trilogy is that you do get this, like, uh, direct interaction with the Winter and Akbar storyline. So, yes, very important. We, we have kind of an associated question from Harry, who's saying... He's wondering whether it's time for him to start Vector Prime and slash NJO yet. He said he's read the Thrawn trilogy, Dark Empire, Jedi Academy trilogy, Thrawn duology. So it's kind of the same thing. We'll just, I'll just answer this question quickly. It's kind of the same thing because, yeah, you're gonna know what's you'll know what's going to happen for, or you'll have a good understanding when you start NJO. That being said, you will miss some references, like because the NJO really takes parts of the Bantam era and focuses on it for an arc like there'll be an arc where you know the Corellian trilogy is interesting so what i would say if you're really against spending all the time reading them which i understand you can pick up the audiobooks and they're very very short um they're three hours long uh which kind of sucks if you just want to read the books but if you're trying to skip through to get to njo that's a really good way to do it yeah and if you are reading njo that can be a really big time investment too it is 19 books mm-hmm. uh yes. I would, I would even say like read Vector Prime so you kind of know what's starting off there. Maybe Vector mm-hmm. Prime and then Dark Tide, and then you can almost just go to the different kind of sections because the way it was written is you have like some standalone books, some, uh, some duologies and some trilogies, mm-hmm. and you can kind of just pick the ones that seem appealing to you or the authors that seem appealing to you if you don't plan on reading all of them. Like mm-hmm. try to if you. If you can do it and you want to do it, definitely. I yep. really enjoy the whole thing, and I think there's a lot you can get out of reading the whole thing in order. Mm-hmm. But if you're 
if for some reason you don't have time to read 19 Star Wars novels, mm-hmm. then uh, definitely read Vector Prime, definitely read Dark Tide, definitely read uh, Star by Star, Destiny's Way, Unifying the Force, last few and books. Final Prophecy. Yeah. Or flip those last two. But yeah. read those ones, and then if you can slot in some other ones, do it that seem like they might be interesting to you. I really like... Even if you don't read any of the other ones, I think you can read the... Uh, uh, Enemy Lines duology by Aaron Alston. So that's Rebel Stand and Rebel Dream. Because uh, I think that some of the better, like, just focusing on one battle, you don't mm-hmm. even necessarily need the rest of the context. It's still enjoyable. Yep. Totally agree. Isn't that when they go to Coruscant, too? Yeah, that's uh, that's Luke's mission to Coruscant. Yeah. yeah. And that's where yeah. Lord Nyax is. Yeah. T- tall man. And the ODST drop into Coruscant is pretty yeah. epic. Um, anyway, next email is from Cody. Uh, this is what I'm curious to hear your thoughts on, Corey. What do you, we've kind of talked about this a bit on in the Mando episodes too, but we're starting to get into Mando emails because we we moved from books to mm-hmm. Mando. What would what would you think of the Mandalorian switching focus and era to other Mandos like Boba's rise to fame or the High Republic era? I've always secretly hoped there'd be a bounty hunter adaptation where we see Django at work. So well, we are going to get book of uh, the book of Boba Fett, so mm-hmm. we will see at least that, though it won't be in a different time period. Mm-hmm. I. I feel Help like them. doing that within like the the same style as the Mandalorian wouldn't necessarily be playing to its strengths, but I think mm-hmm. getting like something about whatever the new canon version of the Mandalorian Wars are going to be that would be nice. Yeah. But I want the Mando to talk. I like the character of the Mando a lot. Uh, I think there's still more interesting stories to be told there. So yeah. Uh, okay, that's an important policy change. Uh, okay, this is a <laughs> spam email. Okay, so we got one from Patrick, who's not trying to sell us a website, which is nice. What did you guys think of the design in the opening scene of the episode where Mayfeld is in the prison colony? He's referring to the, I guess that's the second last, that's chapter 15. I thought it was very awesome and a cool look into the Star Wars universe. Uh, And he also is wondering, what do we think the Taika Waititi movie will be about and what will it be like? Um, And he says, also, correctly, thanks for putting out a Star Wars podcast as yours is the only one I can find. That's the only one that exists, so thank you for mentioning as much. Uh, I thought that was a really cool scene. That It's kind of, for me personally, like, that's why Mando's so good, because they put an unnecessary amount of work into just, like, one scene like that, because that's actually a practical set, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. So that was cool. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about the Taika movie? Well, that's actually one of the things that I'm most looking forward to right now is the the Taika movie. Mm-hmm. And we don't really know anything about it yet, but I just enjoy almost everything he does. Yeah. So uh, that alone is like, I, I want this. But yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll see what it ends up being. I'm, I'm sure it'll piss a lot of people off. But Yeah, I, I like, I'm down for something of a different style. Uh, as long as I like... Solo was a different style. And I just... I liked the movie, but I didn't like the visuals, the visual style of that movie because it looked like right. they filmed something that was good and then turned the brightness way down. <laughs> um, but yeah, also thank you again, guys. I, I appreciate the super chats. Um, if there's time at the end, I'll get to them. But uh, I'll also, if, if you do super chat and I don't get a chance, feel free to email me and I will send you a personalized email and respond. Uh, so. So we got one from George now, who's got 
Also, Corey, do you want to read some of these, or do you want me to just keep? Uh, I've been trying to keep track of where you're going, and I. Okay, I'm literally just I'm literally just clicking pre like next email like that. Okay, so I think that's why I kind of lost you on some of them because for some reason, I think we skipped up a bunch. But I'm on this one now from George. Okay. Uh, This is the one with the Charlie feedback. Yes. Okay. Uh, So. George says, hi there, just wanted to give you some feedback on Charlie and also some thoughts on Mandalorian and the Acolyte. Firstly, I would like to say I very much enjoy Charlie in streams and discussions as he has some weird. different insights. He seems to like nuanced characters and storytelling. Uh, he also is a big fan of Pink Stitch. I don't know if everyone's aware of that. Yeah, Charlie's Maybe favorite character is a... F- yeah. But he's great. Uh, <laughs> secondly, I think the Mandalorian could go in so many different ways and that's exciting. I would like to see Gideon get defeated and I honestly would like it if it's Grogu that gets the finishing blow as Karma, but I don't know. Uh, finally, I'm actually rather intrigued by the Acolyte. Me too. Uh, would you be interested to see another point of view, perhaps a Sith protagonist? So this is something that I think uh, you're typically against. No, I'm fine with it. I just that... like, as long as I don't like Bane because he's a boring Sith. Okay. But I, I love Plagueis. Um, and I like the Palpatine bits of that. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Uh, I think, like, Plagueis and KOTOR 2 are kind of the closest we get to that, and that's probably the closest I'd want to get to that. I wouldn't want something that's, like, trying to be like, oh, actually, Sith are the good guys. It's like, they're mm-hmm. clearly not. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, protagonist, like, an evil protagonist is cool. I I think Star Wars... I, I think I get what you mean now. Like, I think Star Wars has a very clear black and white, black and white sorry, morality, um, where the the good guys are good, and then the, the Sith are the ones force-choking people and shooting lightning and screaming and shit. Like, so I'm not I'm not really super interested in stories that make the Sith like, oh, the Sith are good, actually. I like stories where it's like Jason Solo, where he thinks he's doing good and then ends up falling to the Sith because the dark side's like that, but, yeah. Well, Evil there's also Kreia, where, like, there's points of what she's saying that are not entirely wrong, but she's, like, mm-hmm. actually she's definitely a villain too yeah and like the jedi aren't unambiguously good they are fucking a lot of stuff up themselves and i think that's fine but yes uh, if there was something that was trying to do sith as protagonist as if like it's like trying to vindicate what palpatine does or whatever mm-hmm. then i think that's uh not something i'd be as interested in yeah uh, i don't not, think he I'm meant a like a good sith. protagonist no but yeah but i'm like, even the stuff that tries to portray Palpatine as, like, only becoming the Emperor to stop the Yuuzhan Vong. like... Yeah. No, that wasn't what he was doing. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's part of what he was doing, but mm. it wasn't what he was doing. Yeah. Also, I should have mentioned this at the beginning, but next episode we will be covering... I might go and edit this in when I'm doing the audio, but next episode we will be covering book one of the new High Republic series, which is called Light of the Jedi, and we're working to have some special guests on so you guys have till next thursday most likely to read that book uh yeah i won't go we won't go into any of our thoughts now because yeah it's just came out but uh yeah thank you very much george for that question it was a very interesting one uh oh this is a very interesting email from carlos from pod status who brings the very very good news that we are now in position four in the category of tv and films in panama Thank you. And number 98 in the category of TV and film in Germany. But that makes we're, us 93 overall in podcast We're the 93rd Panama. most popular podcast in Panama. 
Thank you, Panama. Yeah, what's, Panama are doing the real work for us here. What's a citizen from Panama called? Panamanian? Is it Panamanian? Is that the demonym for it? Thank you, who whoever you are out there. Thank you. Um, another one from Joel. Uh, he kind of compares. I'm just gonna. I'll just briefly kind of skip over this one because he he's he's kind of just bringing up a good point that the big difference between Endor and canon or post Endor Empire and canon and legends is that in uh, legends the or sorry in canon post M Endor is like early day rebellion various cells different level of organization uh yeah that's pretty accurate do you want to read this next one from Jacob Corey from Jacob we have. How do you guys feel about all the locations in Disney Star Wars being desolate fringe planets? As oh, a fan yeah. of Star Wars, I think my biggest thing down for me is that is the fact that Disney seems very infatuated with small settlements like the one seen in the latest mm -hmm. episode of The Mandalorian. Yeah, those places are interesting, but it seems as if that's all they ever show. Jakku was a fringe desolate planet. Mm -hmm. Tekadana was a forest world on the fringes. Octo was an untouched island world. Crate was an abandoned mining planet, etc. I want to see populated places like Coruscant, Corellia, Mon Cal, etc. Uh, yeah, so no, I'm, I'm I'm right there with him. I think we've been that way in a lot of the visual medium so far, but I think part of that is just the nature of like the Resistance and even the First Order in the sequel trilogy. Because mm -hmm. like, if you mm -hmm. look at Solo, we got like we got live action Corellia, which I didn't yep. think we'd ever necessarily get, and it seems like we're gonna get a good amount of like uh, Coruscant and Hosnian and stuff in the High Republic. So yeah, hopefully. Maybe that means in the Acolyte we'll get a bit more of like urban setting because we have a bunch of other shows coming. Uh, we have stuff coming in the maybe even in the Bad Batch. Like, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for us to get more. I do agree that it is indexed a bit away from uh, from like urban settings than I'd like because I, I want to see like mm -hmm. different types of architecture and all that stuff because that's where they can really make everything look super different. But mm -hmm. I think with the kind of story the Mandalorian was telling uh, in particular. Other than Tython, I was pretty happy with all the uh, all the environments. Like they, we got the discount Moncal, but uh, for the most part, it's been one of the better parts of that show. So yeah. And now it seems like Mando's kind of earned this favor back with the New Republic, based on you hear Cara Dune talking about him getting a reward. So I assume he's probably in their good books now. So maybe. Uh... Maybe we'll get to see some interesting places, especially in season three, because he mm -hmm. can travel to Coruscant now. If you, I mean, this is my assumption. It seems like the the New Republic may have even sanctioned his mission against Gideon. So maybe we'll see him travel to the core worlds or you know Corellia or wherever else. But yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, next question is from uh, Jared, who asks about Mace Windu. He's saying he's enjoying the nostalgia of going through the old Legends books. I know you guys touched briefly about the theory of Windu surviving the podcast. I'd always thought that Palpatine killed him before he's tossed out the window. I thought this was obvious. I mean, that's a... I, 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 never, I never thought that Palpatine killed him before he threw him out the window. But it's certainly possible. I mean, I think it's pretty clear. There's always the issue, you know, when you when someone doesn't actually die in star wars like you, you they're mm -hmm. supposed to die but it's after the the whole just every every character who's returned from the death especially from falling um makes mace windu i guess slightly more possible 
to be alive. But for me, it's Mace Windu dying is a pretty important part of Anakin's character arc. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't want to remove that. I, I mean, he did also take a lot of lightning, but I don't think that itself would have killed him. No, like I, I think the biggest thing that's behind the uh, Mace Windu is alive stuff is mm -hmm. that Samuel L. Jackson would absolutely play yes. him again. And yes. well, I do think that would be cool. Mm -hmm. I don't think that necessarily works. Uh, yeah. So as much as I'd enjoy seeing that, maybe even like Force Ghost Mace Windu, yes. I'd be down for that at some point. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't think... I think that's like the main reason that he's said to be alive, just because Samuel L. Jackson would jump at the chance to play him again. Not jump out a window, but... Yeah, I don't think there's any actual... Like, I've never seen any actual evidence that convinced me. I've seen like explanations for why it could happen that you know basically exactly like that like mace windu could be alive because he didn't you didn't see him die and people return from death in star wars all the time and, and yes that is true but that applies to you know a dozen characters not just mace windu and i and, almost universally dislike when that happens so yeah and i also just don't see any reason for mace windu to come back because yeah. Like, thematically, what does Mace Windu returning really bring to Star Wars? Like, I for me, the best thing about Mace Windu is he's kind of the prototypical dickhead Jedi from the prequel era. Um, it's like him coming back. Why, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you bring Palpatine back because he's the big bad villain. Um, and I don't know. Mace is just like, he's just... I don't, I don't think there's much left in his story that's compelling. But... Yeah, uh, so our next question comes from Brian, who uh, we talked we touched on this a little bit about uh, books we'd, we'd recommend, but this is a slightly different spin on it. So he says, I know you've answered a similar question before on the podcast, but I couldn't remember what your answer was, and maybe your perspective have changed. Uh, what books would you recommend people start on in Legends and Canon? So maybe if we each just want to give one or two quickly, because we did kind of touch, touch yeah. on that with the other stuff. I mean, it it depends. If they want more story, I'm I'm always heir to the Empire because I think it's the one that best captures the feel. Um, if they just want more context, then I think probably the Return of the Jedi novels are a really good one for that. Yeah, like as far as getting into uh, Legends or new canon stuff, I do think the Thrawn trilogy is probably mm -hmm. the best place for people to do it. If you want to get in chronologically, obviously. Truce of Bakura, but if you're not already committed, then mm. start with the Thrawn trilogy. Uh, mm -hmm. If you what about are, for canon? Would you say for new canon, like I would, I would even say Alphabet Squadron, potentially. Yeah. Uh, especially if it's someone getting into Star Wars, I feel like. Yeah, uh, and you got two books, a, and yeah, for me personally, Squadron, Lost Stars is is maybe, so readable. Yeah, <laughs> so good, and maybe even the first Thrawn book, like the. Yeah first new canon thrawn book i didn't like alliances or treason as much but like i think they more suffer from like not being able to go anywhere new with him because uh, mm -hmm. you kind of already know what's going to happen with rebels mm -hmm. and maybe it's even better if you just don't know what happens in rebels mm -hmm. so definitely um so the next one's from cody I, i'm not gonna no i don't i think we talked about this on the podcast neither of us think that ben will kill grogu no um so thank you for the email one from Patrick. What do you think of the new canon demise of Bib Fortuna? I was rather disappointed he did not have his brain removed. 
placed in the spider droid like he did in Legends. That's the uh, Bib Fortuna story in the Tales from Jabba's Palace. Uh, I wrote you guys a nice review on Apple Podcasts. You should go check that out. I will check that out as Corey reads the next one. Uh, thanks for being the only kids on the block that are straight enough to do the only Star Wars podcast. Well, did you like the, uh, the, the, not only just the Bib Fortuna stuff, but the Tales from Jabba's Palace generally? I, I can never remember if I've read Tales from Jabba's Palace or if the stuff that I think of from it is from the, like the Bounty Hunter trilogies. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd have to read it again. It's been so long to make sure that I Fair actually enough. have read it. So. Fair enough. I, I really like that one. And the, uh, what's it called? Also, the Tales from the Moss Isaac Cantina is a lot of fun. And the the new canon versions of those stories have been, are basically like the, from a certain point of view, and I think they're pretty fun as well. Yeah. Um, There's Tales from the Bounty Hunters, Tales from Jabba's Palace, Tales from the Empire, Tales from the New Republic. There's a bunch of tales you can read. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Isn't Tales from the New Republic just a compendium, or is it actually... I don't think I've read that one. Uh, I have it in paperback. I don't know if it's just like a republishing of something, but... Okay. Cool, cool. Uh, one from Justin, who says... Do you... Th- oh, actually, you want to read this one? I'm going to look up the podcast review. Uh, I believe this one is primarily specific, like, Mandalorian episodic stuff, so... Okay. Uh, maybe, because, like, covered. some of this stuff, if we get to it again, it'd be more, like season three relevant so mm. okay. thank you for the email justin but i think uh it's our fault that we kind of waited a bit too long because some of this is like the book of boba uh whether it's a new show or not but there is something here actually that we should probably touch on do you think we'll see mm-hmm. dark troopers in other places when they need something to be threatening but don't want to use hundreds of stormtroopers i think we'll see dark troopers in the other shows of the era like i think we'll probably yeah. see dark troopers in ahsoka and range of the new republic yeah, like I, they'll probably be present in those kind of like more connected things. I don't know that they'll be super widespread. Mm-hmm. So like even in Legends, the thing that happened all the time is like every bit of media made its own enemy trooper type, and that's why there's three million types of stormtroopers, often with mm-hmm. the same name, doing mm-hmm. completely different stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's it is nice in that regard that like we're seeing this like cohesion. Because, yeah, it's getting... It, when you have a gazillion elite stormtrooper units, it's just kind of boring. <laughs> yeah. Like, this one is really elite, trust me. <laughs> and this one's just as elite, but it has a red stripe. <laughs> so the next email is from Badgerwhacker, who I think wanted explicitly his name said out loud. So there you go, Badgerwhacker. He has an interesting question. He's been noticing a slightly worrying trend of people implicitly or explicitly saying that Order 66 was just desserts for a flawed Jedi Order. The use seems to be also tactically present to some degree in Legends or Canon. Uh, he thinks shortly following a peaceful resolution of the Cloners, there'd be some introspection for new forms or for Jedi and Jedi reforms. Um, he acknowledges that he's too drunk to edit this down, so it's a wall of text. Anyway, what are your just general thoughts on that and Obviously, no order deserves to be genocided or wiped out. Um, no, uh, do, do you feel like that's something that's been that's been implicit or explicit in canon or legends? Uh, like, kind of. It's in the. It's either the subtext or the explicit text of the prequel trilogy that like the Jedi Order has kind of stagnated and become corrupt mm-hmm. in different ways. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. think it's necessarily 
ever stated in universe other than from like Plagueis or Palpatine mm-hmm. that they needed to be wiped out. And I, I like, I would agree that the Jedi order was, uh, like there were signs that it was heading this direction mm-hmm. without saying that they deserved it or anything like mm-hmm. that. Like there were significant institutional problems. They were blind to, uh, how to deal with Anakin's problem in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, I, I think that that is typically what's done in universe rather than necessarily saying they deserved it. Cause like a lot of the, of this stuff is about like, people still respect the Jedi. They still need a Jedi to come help them in some way. Uh, but like in last Jedi, I think the way Yoda talks about this is probably one of the most accurate ways to do it is like, we kind of fucked up. The order can end. That doesn't mean we deserve, or the order can end in the way that it was, but it doesn't necessarily mean we all should have been killed. They mm-hmm. definitely needed to reform. doesn't mean they deserved what they got or that's the best thing to have happened to them. Yeah. But like it was definitely there were definitely a lot of flaws with it that needed to be addressed in some way and that they weren't on the path of addressing yeah for me it's like they did they deserve it no but is it surprising also not really i think that's like kind of the yeah the more the the, the larger takeaway that i get thank you very much for the interesting email though badger uh one from wobble who says do you think there's a chance an old slash higher public movie would come out i mean we got a tv show right so that's yeah i i think it's it you know anything's possible if it, if the books are popular um i'll we'll have a much better idea in in a year or so i think yeah with that with the accolade as well when that starts going on seeing how people respond to that then maybe there'll be something else mm-hmm. put in there i so. will say they released their kind of plan for the different phases of the high republic and they're really putting a lot of effort into this like phase one goes all the way to i think 2023 and there's already three phases announced this is like probably the next decade or so we'll have stories in this era so mm-hmm. i would not be surprised to see an eventual movie come uh of what a theatrical movie hard to say but i mean they can do a lot more with now that they've got disney plus and a lot more flexibility maybe even a musical yeah well, let's hope uh Next question we have uh, is from Joel, who says, with the announcement of a special event series that will tie in all the various Mandalorian tie-in shows, do you think that what is happening is a possible canonized Thrawn trilogy or at least Thrawn campaign? Mm. Uh, So basically we have like the Ahsoka series doing that. We have the Mandalorian. We have Rangers of the New Republic. And we do know that like what Ahsoka is doing is looking for Thrawn. So what are your thoughts on that, Justin? Yeah, I I think like I, I, I see this a lot like probably more than any other idea when people talk about this big multi-story arc. I don't know if it's wishful thinking. If you had asked me before the season of The Mandalorian, I would have said no, but it does kind of seem that way. And if you look at the timeline, there's really nothing between now and honestly pretty much the, the sequel trilogy. Even on books, there's like... There's one, I think, book or comic between now and 28 ABY. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think it's it's possible, maybe even likely, that Thrawn is going to have his big moment to shine uh, and be a big bad or whatever for for at least a major campaign or something. What about you, though? 
Yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of room for that, and it seems to be the direction we're heading in. Like, there's going to be something with Thrawn, mm-hmm. uh, and it seems like there's also probably going to be some stuff with the Chiss, whether those are going to be connected or not to the Empire. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of still up in the air, but I think, like, we know the New Republic still has a military for a while. It's not until later that they, like, mm-hmm. start disbanding that, and mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of time here. We're getting some military-focused shows coming up in the time that The Mandalorian is set, so I think... Yeah that's a really good like there's a really good chance of that yep well said we have an email from general uh bricks who's asking where do you think axwell's was or do you think he was okay in the finale could he have been on the gazanti or somewhere else axwell was basically the other mandalorian that the, the the guy that's with the other two mandos uh, like bo katan and I, I can't remember the name of the other one but i believe the actor Such who played axwell's said that um he was he had a, a death in the family or some other event. Unfortunately, I, I'm I'm assuming he's gonna be in something again. Hmm. But yeah, hard to say at this point. Especially since it seems like Bo-Katan's group is gonna be a bit more important. Yes, exactly. But our next email comes from Keaton, who says, "What do you think Kreia would think of the Yuuzhan Vong? They seem to be the end result of her philosophy. Perhaps not the specific pain aspect of their culture, but their view of life as a struggle one must personally overcome through one's own strength." I think you're going to be a lot more poised to, or a lot in a better position to answer this question than me because it's been a while since I've read NJO. I think that Kreia would not be super impressed on like when it comes to the really religious aspects of Vong yeah. society. Um, I think she would see them as pretty heavily manipulated and I think she would see their... Because honestly, the Vong put themselves in their the situation they're in through just constant destruction. And I don't think she would be super impressed with that either. Yeah, like, sure, they're not part, they're, this is weird, but they're not part of the force for a lot of the NJO, but that isn't really even, that's not even quite what Kreia was going for with the death of the force. Mm-hmm. Uh, it That element of it does get closer to her idea that, like, she hates the force because it's controlling everything. But the Yuuzhan Vong religion... Like or within the Yuuzhan Vong culture, that is pretty much just uh, what their gods want, mm-hmm. and the revealed knowledge—nothing that they can do for themselves. So it's pretty antithetical yeah. to what Kreia was actually going like for. Like they're trading one master for another, basically. Yeah, because like the thing that she was doing through all of Kotor two uh, <laughs> was just giving Mitra this idea she had for freedom of choice. But, like, even Kreia's own thing was that she was willing to sacrifice everyone else's or manipulate everyone else to do mm-hmm. this. And it, it wasn't it wasn't very epic. But, yeah. yeah, I don't think she would have been very happy with the Vong either. Mm-hmm. She's basically Vergier, and Vergier was not happy with the Vong. Yeah. Uh, Rohan says, after rewatching Rogue One, when they are going through the Imperial Projects in Scarif, they mentioned Black Saber and also a bunch of other... Uh, projects i don't know so some of those have been covered in like associated material like i think the visual dictionary covered some and catalyst or not catalyst but some of the other novels probably covered some i don't know about black saber in particular i don't really have i know one of them was like probably the what's what's the big cruiser with the laser on it again um the conqueror no in in canon the Um... Remember it was released, or it was announced at the same time as... The oh, the Star- Onager. Yeah, the Onager, yeah. Like, I imagine that could have been the Black Saber, although... Isn't it an Onager a spear, maybe? I don't know, but... 
No, it's, it's like it's basically the little catapulty things. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. Uh, it's either that or it's the bow cat, the uh, ballista. No, it's not the ballista. The, the onager is the one that you can kill a lot of infantry with it in Age of Empires, mm-hmm. so you spam them. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I imagine it could be any number of uh, weapons projects. Also, this is a question we've had in the past. How do you prefer to watch the Star Wars movies? And I guess I'm going to expand this. How would you recommend it for a new viewer? What do you think, Corey? I mean, I, I'm always chronological release order. Um, or So those are two different things. I'm release yeah. order. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm trying to remember what Dana and I have done. I think, I think with Dana... So over the last year or so, I've been getting my girlfriend to watch all of the star wars movies uh much to her chagrin uh but i think we did release order mm-hmm. so that's what i did with i Kelsey guess that's well. my recommendation then since that's what i did because mm-hmm. then like a lot of people will kind of watch the original trilogy and they'll be okay with that they might not be as into the prequel trilogy if they're older especially yeah uh so starting with that like with kids, start with the prequel trilogy. You're probably going to be fine going with, uh, like, chronological order. But with adults, I think there's more. Start of with the Mandalorian. With, uh, okay, you can do that as well. <laughs> that would work. But honestly, like, for real, <laughs> maybe start with the Mandalorian. Yeah. No, that's fair. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. Um. Okay, so we've got one from Gaming Central podcast. Who says, since the seeing the statue of Darth Nihilus on Exegol, does that confirm the Old Republic series from Legends canon will fit? I'm just going to answer that quickly. No, all, all that confirms is that there was a character that looked like that. Also, I don't think he even made it into the movie. Whatever something is canonized, it doesn't mean that everything associated with that character is canonized. I think we discussed this when we read one of the Thrawn books. But mm-hmm. if I canonize Thrawn, all I'm canonizing is the fact that there is a character now in the universe named Thrawn. That doesn't mean that you know, um, Captain Pelion's canonized or the Thrawn campaign is canonized or anything associated with the characters the same. It's just, it's basically like if you are, it, it's just a new story with, it's just, that's why recanonization is probably not a good word. It's because reintroduction is probably, yeah, reintroduction. It doesn't imply necessarily that things are going to stay the same. They often do because you don't want to piss the fans off and, you know, Sometimes it doesn't make sense to mess with what works, but yeah. Yeah. If there is an era that is like more likely to kind of be brought in in bigger chunks, though, it probably is like the Tor and previous stuff, KOTOR mm-hmm. even, because uh, like Tor is still continuing to release new content, and mm-hmm. it seems like some of that's kind of like working off of other stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the biggest question mark of like, does this, this is continuing Legends, does it also count as canon? Uh, but I, I think, wasn't Hillis one of the ones that was mentioned in one of the uh one of the source books already because i think his name no might clue. be canonized again uh, and no clue but there he were a few been, older um, Sith Lords that were mentioned that way yeah like i know revan's been technically mentioned yeah. um but yeah remember so, darth riven <laughs> riv riven the... die <laughs> okay um our next question is from Informal Geek. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but he's asking about the the upcoming Star Wars Project Supernatural Encounters. Have you heard of this, Corey? Uh, I've heard of it. I looked it up, and then I forgot what it was. So, so Supernatural Encounters is basically... All right, so Supernatural Encounters is... It started its life, it seems, as originally a licensed book 
um, or it's it's like a short story from it was going to be in Star Wars Legends, and it seems like the author, alongside some other people, are now kind of putting it together. And I've read it. It's I'm kind of I I don't want to insult anyone. I'm person. They claim that a lot of what was going to be in the book or what is in the book now because they're finishing it and putting it together and editing it and even getting some art put together. And that's all very cool, so I don't want to seem like I'm shitting on the, the people behind it. But they they say that pretty much everything in the book was confirmed to come out in, in Legends, and they basically made the argument that it can be considered an official part of Legends. And I, I don't really buy a lot of that. For one, there's, like, explicit references to canon, which is very strange. Like, the World Between Worlds, I believe, is featured. Um... And, like, it's clearly stuff that was added after the fact. And some of it's just, it's very, very bizarre. Like, they go into basically every strange or weird part of Star Wars. Like, they fully explain everything from, like, the Nal Nal to those uh, Bedlam spirits and everything. I just, I personally find it hard to believe that that book in that form was ever going to come out in Star Wars Legends. Um, but it's still a fun read. Hmm. That's, yeah, it's... I forget what the other was it uh the I think the other one was called because there was a kind of a, a uh this is kind of a sequel to I think it was called uh what was it Cult Encounters I think was the one that did come out um and this was sort of going to be a follow up to that I guess I think kind of to summarize my feelings I feel like the people working on it have greatly expanded the scope of it um and are kind of treating it like that was the scope in, when in Legends. Maybe it was. It's just kind of my feeling probably not. Yeah. Uh, we did just get a question in chat. I know we're going to the emails, but I, this is something that I did mean to bring up and wanted to talk about. Uh, Pete's asking, what do you think of the rumor of Robert Downey Jr. playing Thrawn? I'm just going to say I love Robert Downey Jr. Please no. <laughs> yeah. Who's your pick? Do you have a pick? I mean, a Mickelson would be fine. Yeah. Uh... I, I don't want to give my full official endorsement yet, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I just don't think Robert Downey Jr. would be no. a good Thrawn. Like, if you think of what Robert Downey Jr. is usually good at, like, I don't even think he necessarily looks at what I'd, like, what I'd picture Thrawn to be, mm-hmm. but it's just, a, I don't know. It doesn't feel like, right to me. It could be worth thinking of the Iron Man character, but, like, Thrawn's, like, the exact opposite of that. <laughs> yeah. Um. My thought was, and I, I was flipping through my my TV the other day, and one of the Marvel movies was on, and I saw Vision, the character Vision. I Paul was like, Bettany? yeah, I was like, Paul Bettany would actually have been a really good Thrawn. I feel like if they uh, hadn't used him for uh, if they hadn't used him for Dryden Voss. Yeah, well, I I was actually thinking, depending on the timing of it, how old he'd be. Like Charles mm-hmm. Dance would be really good. Charles Dance would be really good. Uh, I also said Pierce, well, after that image came out from Star Wars Celebration, I thought Pierce Brosnan would be good. <laughs> um, yeah, there's always the pretty, the pretty interesting or the pretty common ones. Like everyone says Benedict yeah. Cumberbatch or, uh, which I, I think it could be fine or, um, make one of the Mickelsons, like you said, which I, I think would, would also be good, um. Because like it seems like if we get live action Thrawn, it'll be around uh, ten to fifteen ABY. Mm-hmm. So he's about he's almost seventy, I think. Is he that old, really? Wow. Because well, when is uh, he's in the like 
Star Wars colon Thrawn colon Ascendancy colon Chaos colon Rising. Uh, he's, I don't think he's that old. He's like twenty. He's in his twenties, his mid to late twenties, right? Yeah, I guess because he'd be and like, he'd be like that's like thirty BBY, twenty to thirty BBY. The way I think about it, how old was Anakin when he died? Um, he, he was in his forties, right? Anakin was way older than forty. He was like he was fifty to sixty. Yeah, he was fit. No, he was fifty because he. Well, hold on. Well, it's twenty five plus. I picture how old Thrawn he was. as being like five. 50. Yeah. Did I picture Thrawn as being five to ten years older? No, he's not that old. He's he's only he's only in his mid forties because he was because Phantom Menace is 30, 32, right? Yeah. Anakin's nine, yeah, I guess so that's forty one. Okay, so, so yeah, he's like forty five. I picture 50. Thrawn as being like because we we don't get his exact age, but just based on what we've read in the the trees in Chaos Rise and what whatever the fucking name of the new book was. I kind of well, imagine we get it in being flight like, as well. It's the same kind of time period, he's the same rough five to age. ten years older, I guess. He's he's no, he's more than because he's in canon like, though, what, you 10 think years older? I, I don't think, think so. I think so. I think he's pretty old. I don't know, because he's still pretty... F- Let's see, I'm going to see the earliest. I'm going to take well, a look at Pelion, Pelion was already in the military for a while. With like, He's about the same age as Pelion, maybe a little bit younger. Uh, I never felt he was the same age as Pelion. Well, Pelion isn't that old until he gets that old. He like In the Thrawn trilogy, <laughs> he's like middle-aged. And he's, what, 90 by the time he gets shot by Tahiri? <laughs> uh, yeah, he's in his 90s. I don't know. I just feel like when he meets Anakin in Thrawn Treason or whichever book it is, I feel like he is not that much older than him. Like, five years, I, maybe? I don't know. I, I got the feeling that he was, like, at least at least mid-20s by then. Yeah, and Anakin would have been 18. Or... Okay, so maybe he's younger than I'm thinking, but... Like, I think Thrawn could be in his... I think Thrawn could be mid fifties. He could be. I'm not putting that outside of the bounds of possibility. But then Charles Dance can't play him, and that makes me sad. So why are you doing this to me? Yeah. I'm just trying to read if anyone, if any of these uh, other nerds have a. Okay, so if it's set, if it's set post sequel trilogy, if Thrawn is somehow still around then, which I don't think he will be, uh, then. Uh, then Charles dance, but yeah. Or if him and Ezra come out of the come out of the whale aged up a little bit, then mm-hmm. Charles dance. I'm just trying to think like how old because Thrawn doesn't seem that old in Rebels, and that's only like a decade before his his appearance in because uh, Mando's what nine ABY. Well, I he think? looks to be about forty if you can age. Uh, yeah, I, I think he's kind of ambiguously like aged, like. I feel like he could be anywhere between 30 to 40, especially where he's I a mean, chiss. I mean, look at that hairline, though. Bruh, that's, that's, a, that's an efficiency hairline. That's not a stylistic hairline. <laughs> Send us your emails on what you guys think. Tapcaptransmissions at gmail.com. Uh, if Grievous didn't need to breathe, why did he have a cough? I think Grievous has, Grievous has lungs. Uh, doesn't he? Yeah. When he rips uh, open the thing, does he have lungs? Stuff. I, I think can't remember. It's hard to... I'm, I'm no George expert Lucas. In it's because of George Lucas. Biology. Yeah. Yeah. That's the easiest answer. 
we are up to the uh, to the question we started at, which is now email number forty one in the nice. inbox. Okay, um, so that's that's cool. Want to want to go through some of the ones we've got now then? Yeah, some of the new ones. Okay. Um, I think oh, we've crap. got about half hour left. So yeah, we'll I just I just lost my spot. You want to read the next one? I'll find my spot. All right, our our next question from the what we're gonna call the the AP period after podcast is from Chase. <laughs> who says, should the Rogue Squadron movie center around the core group of Wedge, Tycho, Wes, and Hobby? No. I, I don't think it will. Well, no, I don't think so. I, I think I'd, no. I'd like to see Rogue Squadron in New Canon, like in in the modern start, like in the sequel era, I think. I think it could be cool. Because I like Poe as a character a lot, and I think there's no reason why Poe couldn't come back. Yeah, it does seem like we are getting, like, I, I agree with what I think your position was that it's going to be after the, the sequel mm-hmm. trilogy, and I do think that that's a good place to have like Poe setting up stuff, uh, get more Poe focus on that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a shame that uh, What's-His-Name died um, in Rise of Skywalker. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Kind of, yeah. Can't remember his name. Um, uh, Snap. Snap Huxley? <laughs> Snap Huxley, yeah. Yeah, because he was a fun character. I mean, I'd like to see... Yeah, like, I, th- I think Wedge as a mentor probably makes more sense at this point um, because then they can actually get Dennis Lawson. Otherwise, it's fake Wedge. Yeah, like, I don't... And Dennis Lawson is not showing up again for anything Star Wars, I don't think. I don't know. I think he'd show up for the movie. You don't think he'd show up uh, for Rogue Squadron as a mentor? With enough money, maybe, but it, he didn't seem to... I I, I've gotten the feeling that out of everyone... Other than maybe Harrison Ford, uh, Dennis Lawson is okay with not doing anything Star Wars ever again. We got Harrison back. I, I never would have guessed that they'd get Harrison back for episode. Well, nine. they got they got Harrison and they got uh, Dennis Lawson back for episode nine. Yeah, but I don't know. That was just like one angry looking that, shot of. And Wedge. that movie was shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was. Yeah, it really but... was. <laughs> Oh, I forgot. We're supposed to be uh, Disney cuck SJWs or something. Oh, yeah, sure. We're, we're not allowed to have opinions on movies. Yeah. Oops. Uh, anyway, um, should we continue? I I think we agreed on... Uh... Oh, we got a question that's in the title. Wait, I, I just want to piss everyone else off again first. I really like Last Jedi. Sorry. Okay. I go. wanted to make sure I pissed everyone off first. Do you go. actually really like Last Jedi? Uh, I really like a lot of parts of it. It has okay, some of my say, favorite moments. I didn't think moments. you really liked the movie. I thought there were. I really like uh, the movie as a movie, and I really like some of the specific scenes and some of the character choices, which I know mm-hmm. is a lot of people's problem with it. But I really liked it. I didn't like the comedy parts. That All right, so just send just send the cucks the cuck messages to Corey. Um, yeah, it, get rid of Canto Blight, and I like it a lot more. You said Canto Blight when it's bite, and I think that's a funny, uh, uh, funny mistake. It, well, that's unless, my unless opinion. You did it on purpose. No, okay. that's that's how I feel about Canto Bite. Now that is it was epic. a Canto Blight upon the movie. Uh, this is a question in the the absolute mad lad put the question in the subject line. <laughs> um, he says. Have you ever wanted a bit more political and economic depth for the Clone Wars? Personally, I feel like if you get too much more depth. It just all falls apart. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, I I like the stuff that comes up in source books with it, which actually does put a lot more, like it fleshes it out a lot more. I don't think we needed it in like the movies or the show because mm-hmm. that would just slow it down, I think, too much. Yeah. 
I, I just, I don't think it was well thought out enough necessarily to support that being a big plot point. Yeah. Just my, like, just let the Separatists leave. Why couldn't the CIS just leave? <laughs> uh, I'm so happy you made Well, the video. Separatists were actually kind of terrible, so. Yeah, there's that's that. true. The Republic was terrible as well, mm -hmm. but the Separatists tended to be slightly more terrible. So that's another, fun. Another well, the, the main is ones, that it's not the not the smaller systems, but like the Trade Federation was mm -hmm. objectively terrible. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Another problem it's is like, too it gets in the fact that Palpatine is manipulating everything. So. Yeah. yeah. But like when you have these corporations that are arming themselves and are actually the strongest military and financial power mm -hmm. in the universe, uh, like I, as someone currently holding a Coke can. I don't want, I don't want like Coke hiring uh, Blackwater or X now. What is it? I don't remember what they've changed their name to at this <laughs> point, but I, I'm not okay with that. You mean you don't want to be killed if you don't buy your uh, your daily Coke uh, requirement? No. Okay. I'll call my Mercs and. But I'll fucking drink it. <laughs> okay. So we've got one from Blaine. Who says, it's for X. So sorry, Corey. Shut your fucking mouth for this one. Uh, if Gideon really is working for Thrawn, why would Thrawn allow Gideon to keep something as culturally significant as the Darksaber? Would Thrawn not want it for himself to study? Well, Thrawn uses holograms to study stuff, so he doesn't need the art there. Plus, I don't think he sees the Mandos as a huge threat. So, good question, though, Blaine. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think he's too worried about the Mandos. and He's going he's gonna to be sitting around on a Star Destroyer bridge. When has Thrawn ever had to deal with any sort of sharp, pointy objects? Oh, wait. Uh, Dear X, why the ships in Battle of the Dreadnoughts have no shields? They do, actually. If you watch the short, the animation, you'll see that the... This is something that was done purposefully. You'll see that the Eclipse launches a volley of ion blasts before it fires its main cannons. So. Yeah. All right, let's get a question for Corey here. He just says... Uh, we got one from Jose who says, bless, Blessing. Jose, he says, Why are sequels not canon anymore? Corey, you want to answer? They that? are. Okay, there we go. They are. Don't don't fucking listen to clickbaity YouTubers. Yeah, they're, they're canon. Uh, you don't, you don't got to like them, or they don't have to be your own head canon. Like, the good thing about canon is it's all made up anyway. All, all The only thing that canon really refers to is whether they're going to be taking it into consideration when they're making more stories, and they will be. Or they won't be, or you know, but officially, yeah, it's part of the part of the canon. Yeah. There, there is no secret war where actually John Favreau and Dave Filoni are taking over Star Wars and having gunfights with Kathleen Kennedy every day in the hall. It's not fucking happening. That would be epic. But Kathleen yeah. Kennedy is a producer. She's like Greenlights Productions or not. She's not like mm -hmm. involved in writing this stuff and upset that Mandalorian is mm -hmm. doing well. Like she's just yeah. as involved in that. What I will say is while that isn't happening, I do think some of the response to episode eight and episode nine in particular probably did change the way things were being made. Like I do think this for better or for worse Marvel style storytelling that they're going to start using is probably a response to partially. I'm not saying it wouldn't have happened, but I do think that may have played a role into why these TV shows are being made the way they are. And that does... Yeah, I think the biggest thing it had an impact on is going to TV shows over the movies that they were doing. Because mm -hmm. uh, well, originally there was an announcement of, like, it was 
a bunch of movies that were being put out and then that kind of morphed mm-hmm. into a lot of these tv shows but like the idea that dave filoni is heavily involved in planning story stuff now is not new like that is what he's been doing all the fucking time he did rebels in the clone wars that is kind of what his role always has been yeah i do also kind of lament like i do wonder whether we're not going to get like i don't like a lot of parts of the last jedi i don't like my main problems with the sequel trilogy come down to world building more than anything else and the actual plot rather than like the story it tells i do kind of wonder whether we whether they will be more hesitant to make a more challenging star wars movie in the future which kind of does have me a little bit sad you know what i mean i i don't think that'll be the case like i think you can see what they're doing with uh with tv shows and it, but I mean, like, The Mandalorian's not challenging. Like, I love The Mandalorian. It's one of my favorite Star Wars yeah. things ever. But it's not like, uh, your hero kind of fucking sucks. And I get why people don't like that plot for Luke. But it's like, it's unexpected, you know? Um, well, it it's the same thing as uh, the response to the prequel trilogy not just being what we got in the OT. Where, like, there's that quote that's started going around again from George Lucas. Where, like, I'm not making, like, I'm making this movie because it's the story I want to tell. And it yeah. tells the message that I want to tell, not necessarily because this is the movie that people want to see. And the result yeah. was like 15 years of people shitting on George Lucas. So he sold Star Wars. And the response to the sequel trilogy uh, had a lot of the same elements of that and a lot of the same response to people involved in creating it, like actors, writers, directors. Yeah. And yeah, I don't think that part of the result of that is probably going back to stuff that is just safer uh, and hopefully that hasn't that isn't going to stay the case for everyone. But I think that'll also partially come down to the choices of individuals within it. Because I think one of the things that you could point to with the sequel trilogy, though, is that uh, one of my biggest issues with it are within JJ's movies, especially being too safe and too precious with what he saw as like mm-hmm. the Star Wars he was trying to emulate. Where like the biggest negative thing people tended to say about Force Awakens is that I've just watched A New Hope again. And like my opinion coming out of Force Awakens was that, okay, depending on what we get after this, if I just watch Empire Strikes Back again, then my opinion of the Force Awakens is going to be lower. And if we get something else afterwards, and this is just the diverging point, my opinion is going to be a bit higher. But like, it turned out to be like... That's what everyone thought too. Like we all cringed when we saw the walkers in the first trailer. Yeah. It was misleading. Yeah. Yeah. Like J.J. Abrams, like part of the reason that I don't like the rise of Skywalker was some of these choices that JJ made that were kind of too precious with what he thought needed to be the elements of star Wars, which were very specific things rather than just rather than just the messaging or the tone or whatever. It was like, no, the super weapon has to be this big star destroyer or this big death star, or the evil guy has to be Palpatine is back somehow. But like, what the fuck are you supposed to do after episode eight? Like I, I get why people really love the movie and like like you said the moments are so good but what it doesn't belong in the middle of a series in my opinion well you can tell you can still focus on ben's story a bit more and what the actual first order is doing without like Mm. you can have some palpatine influence uh maybe there's a better way that you can handle palpatine i don't think you need the zeistans like i feel like that can go like (laughs) you can tell a lot of the same stuff but it's just like it's the end of a series and like my main problem with with episode eight is not the Luke stuff, which uh, I'm still I don't know how I feel about that. It's like the fact that it's supposed to be 
I just it feels like it did a big reset on what's the final like right before the final movie of the final trilogy. You know what I mean? So what do you do with what do you do in Ryan Johnson's position with Luke then? Like you start off with the premise that Luke is not there. No one's been able to talk, contact Luke for ages. Do you get to Luke and he's like, oh, shit, I missed the call. Or do you try to explain how things have gone wrong for him and he's reassessing what the role of himself and the Jedi and what these legends mean uh, mm-hmm. versus just like, oh, I would have come earlier and fucking faced like he does the thing at the end of the movie that people say he should have done, which is face down yeah. the entire First Order from fucking flow walking across the galaxy. Mm-hmm. But if you're in the position where you have to write, why is Luke inaccessible for the better part of like two decades, then but it's not it just be... the Luke thing. Like, 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 uh, yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying there. And I don't know what else they do with Luke. And that's on JJ kind of, I mean, I don't know what George Lucas is playing with. Cause a lot of that comes from Lucas's original. It was pretty, yeah. It was pretty much the same thing that Lucas was planning to do with it. But okay. That's one thing, but they also kill Snoke. Like, I just don't see the clear direction for what you do in episode nine after episode eight. Like, there's no resistance because that's one thing about the resistance. Like, episode eight defined the scale of the conflict because it was still. I I definitely agree with that. So it's like, the fuck do you do after that point? Like, I don't know. Like, I really love the Yoda stuff, especially as like a dad with with kids. Like. And like the Luke stuff, like a lot of the, and the Star Wars is always about trying to get the real messages. Like we're never going to have our nephew who we may or may not murder because he's getting fucked by some evil space wizard. But it's like, there is messages there about like, you know, how do you teach your kids and how do you do shit like that? Which I really appreciate, but it's just like, what the fuck are you supposed to do with episode nine at this point? I don't know. It's like, it's like I, episode nine is probably the worst Star Wars movie in my opinion, but it's like. I also don't know what I would have done. <laughs> I mean, I think there's, you could have it become more of like just a local personal conflict between mm-hmm. Ray and Ben on one side and the fact that like the new Republic capital got annihilated and you need to build something. Yeah. So you could take it more in that direction while still dealing with the, uh, what's out there from the first order. Cause you're essentially leaving a point in, uh, at the end of episode eight where you could basically have, uh, there's, no organization to the new republic there's no organization to the from the end of force awakens and there's no organization for the first order from the death of snoke if you want to take it that direction and uh have it be kind of the fallout from that in a kind of galaxies and anarchy rather than just Mm -hmm. let's go kill wrinkles again yeah it's just like there had to be some there had to be something i feel like in episode eight to set up the story moving forward because it's like, I remember walking to the theater after episode eight and just thinking like, what are they going to do now? Like, what do you do now? And it's like, mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with the Luke stuff, which a lot of people do focus on that as their main complaint about the movie. And that's, you know, a subjective thing, but it's like, there had to be, I don't know if Ryan Johnson, because he was supposed to do episode nine. So like, well, Colin Trevorrow was supposed to. Oh, right. Yeah. Sorry. You're right. My mistake. Colin Trevorrow was supposed to do episode nine. I, for, I was getting confused because they asked, they asked Ryan Johnson to do it from what we understand. And he said, he said no i don't know but it's like it's there's got to be some sort of hook moving forward and without the hook i think episode nine struggles but i I don't even know how we got on that question because uh the the question was why the sequels not canon anymore than they are but uh (laughs) the next one is from james who asked what is your favorite star wars what if the only ones i'm really familiar i don't read fan fiction um so the only what ifs i'm familiar with is the star wars infinities comics 
And those are all. Fun. I'm not even that. I'm not even that familiar with those, so I don't really have much of an answer there. Those are fun. Read those. Um, but yeah. Other than that, there are lots of uh, lots of fan fiction sites and whatnot. But uh, I'm gonna skip this. Well, if the Empire put all of its resources to make more Eclipse and Sovereigns, the galaxy would have. I mean, that's what happens in Episode Nine, and the galaxy revolts because they don't like the idea of all their planets getting blown up. <laughs> and they had a really, really fucking terrible design because it's just Star Destroyers but bigger. Corey, what is your favorite ship in Star Wars? Luca asks. Recusant. Yes. Uh, right. Recusant is objectively the best Star Wars ship because it's spindly and fun. I like the CR90. I think the CR90 is really cool design. Uh, is there going to be a Ooh, season that, three? Of no, that actually we did. I, I, I don't know why I'm going back to this topic, but we did see what happens if you resolve the big bad very early on in the third thing in a trilogy or in the second thing in a trilogy with the Jedi Academy trilogy. And what mm-hmm. you do is just make another Death Star, three more super weapons, and make uh, a, a toddler fight a bird. You know what's weird, though, about like the sequel trilogy is it had so many villains, too. Like mm-hmm. Especially in The Force Awakens, you have Phasma, you have Snoke, you have uh, Kylo Ren, you've got General Hux. I'm sure I'm forgetting some. You've got, like... Some other First Order officers that you see pretty prominently. Uh, yeah. Is there going to be Season 3 of Mando? Windows Guy asks, yes. Uh, what are your plans for 20? What rank am I in squadrons? Really fucking high. Uh, <laughs> do you think the B-Wing should have replaced the Y-Wing in the sequel trilogy and forward? They're different. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just trying to get through. We're running out of time. Yeah. Get through many questions. Here, do you want to handle, do you want to tackle some? Uh, how hard is it? Prometheus is asking how hard, unusual, or how hard is it for someone to write a Star Wars story, basically as a fan story. Uh, just write whatever you want. If you mean how likely is it that it becomes canonized or something, the chance is literally That's zero because they won't they no. won't even accept. There's like the whole issue if if you send the fan work in and then it basically appears under Timothy Zahn's name, uh, that could be That's trouble for them. So they, usually they don't even read them. Legally can't read it. Yeah. Yeah. So. But for fan stuff, just write whatever you want. Whatever you're interested in. You can do whatever stories you want with whatever settings you want. It's just as real as the real Star Wars. Um, What are your opinion on Star Wars minibooks? I'm not familiar with what uh, Dan23 means there. Do you know what he means by minibooks? Like short stories? Yes. Like a certain point of view kind of stuff? I like them. I I really, I love them. Especially because you can tell a story without it being chained down to everything else that's going on. Uh, um, Nicholas says oh I just well I'm not going to say his last name because he asked me not to uh, when Thrawn in Dark Forces says Luke wasn't staring at Mara's blaster but at her chest are I, you getting I don't remember or understand yeah I don't remember that um Oops, Why didn't the New Republic give uh, support to the Resistance while they were fighting the First Order? They technically kind of did. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people within the government were trying to disarm, but they were also filtering in forces to the uh, to the Resistance via like Leia and stuff. It was basically proxy wars. This is like a political a plausible deniability. Yeah. No interest in fighting another big war. Um, if you had to fight, okay, if you had to fight First Order, Final Order fleet with with one of your own, what would you choose for your ships? I mean, Sun Crushers, all yeah. Sun Crushers. If I mean, anything really small is going to work. Let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Most powerful the most Sith powerful Lord. Most powerful Sith Lord in terms of pure force power, Jack is asking. Uh, 
I think Revan with max spec on four storm. Uh, <laughs> you can if you get rid of the damage cap, then like in Kotor one he's a bit nerfed because like there is the damage cap. But in Kotor two, if you were, I guess that means Mitra is more powerful than him. It's canon. Yeah, I mean that's exactly what I was gonna say. Uh, <laughs> where did Ahsoka take her new crystals from, and why didn't she get new ones? I think that's covered in. I can't remember if they are new. Like, her white lightsabers, I can't remember if they are new. Yeah, they are. I don't know where she gets the new crystals from, though. Um, oh, one of the Inquisitors, I think. It's covered in one of the books, I believe. Because um, the white lightsabers are red ones, because you, like, bleed lightsabers in canon. Um, I'm pretty sure a white lightsaber is, like, a purified red lightsaber. I think she gets them from Inquisitors. But I can't remember... Um, uh, my canon knowledge on stuff like that is like very very shit yeah. um, my kyber knowledge is uh limited shouldn't obi-wan be the ruler of mandalore as he beat maul and Kama? i think part of that's probably a desire to be the leader of mandalore um well this just gets into wand lore and how exactly harry was able to beat Voldemort, and we'll we'll have to do a whole other episode on that that part was shit um <laughs> <laughs> let's choose one question from henry you you can go ahead and choose one uh what do you think they'll do with cal kestis will he return in mando a sequel to his game uh, i've been wondering that i was i've been watching star wars rebels like i know you have and i've been wondering that um what do you think i think fallen order 2 is probably still going to be his next place he turns up and Definitely. i know that's like a cop-out but yeah. like a lot of these people get cast for these roles, knowing that they also look like the person. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that was kind of done with an eye towards maybe having him, uh, having Cameron Monaghan in something live yep. action at some point. Uh, that's my conspiracy theory for the day. Yeah, no. I mean, same thing with Janina, who played uh, What's-Her-Name in Battlefront 2. Like, I, I think there was room for her. There's even been rumors that she's going to show up in something, which I would, I'd be fine. I like her character. I feel like she's going to turn up in Rangers, if anything. Yeah, I can see that happening. Um, so I said um a lot because we've been downtime going between emails. But I want those characters to be their Battlefront 2 models CGI'd in. <laughs> like, I don't want. I know they look like they're live action, like they're. Actual so you want people. like Janina shows up and then they CGI like the face onto her? Or no, so they, they're in a they're in a no they're in a, a mocap suit, uh, and like everyone else is live action. So like we've got. Uh, just it looks like a normal episode of the mandalorian or something all these real people but then there's just a few people who have been who came from video games that mm -hmm. have their fallen order battlefront 2 <laughs> model the entire time and no one says anything about it i mean they'd probably look as good as tarkin in rogue one <laughs> so we've got a question saying this is an interesting one just a, a straight lore question do we ever see lightsaber blades just straight up snap like i can think of a few cases in legends where luke breaks his lightsaber or a lightsaber is destroyed, but I, I can't think of any like times where it's just pure pressure causes one to snap. Can you? Yeah, I don't think like either the hilt or the uh, or the blade ever. I think this is specifically asking if like the blade ever bends or anything. Yeah. Uh, I think the closest we see is like when Tenel Ka's lightsaber explodes, where the hilt can't handle the power anymore. Right. Uh, I think that's as close as we get for that. You probably have to like use like a magnetic field, or is this, isn't it supposed to be a magnetic field that keeps the blade i don't know it's it's star wars physics we'll talk about that soon yeah 
we are oh should we maybe call that out at the end here yeah we'll do maybe three like a couple more quick emails and then we'll talk about the future we've got some fun some really exciting episodes coming up yeah um, i think we've talked about thrawn a few times so i'll skip that one um are the humans of the star wars galaxy the same as we are biologically if so is there a history as to why humans came to the galaxy uh i mean the star wars galaxy is they, they say it's in the same universe but like nothing works like in our galaxy like it does in the star wars galaxy we seem to be the same biologically though but yeah like would we invade and then we'd be the yuzon vong because we're outside the force yeah i guess so like this is never addressed and it needs to be do you think there are too many star wars shows or movies being made uh, it depends how much they're spread out, because this is, like, we basically got five years of content that are mostly miniseries being announced. Mm-hmm. So, like, the Obi-Wan stuff, even though it's a miniseries instead of a, a movie, it's, like, what, six episodes that it's going to be? It's going to be about the runtime mm-hmm. of a movie. So I think it's it's not it's not quite as much as it seems, especially when you can have, like, yeah. a season of a show with 25 episodes yep. every year, and people don't get tired of it. Like, if Big Bang Theory can last for almost a decade and a half, then... I think yeah, we're good. No. I, I think especially with if if there had been I, I think Solo's a, an okay movie or even a good movie, but I think people get tired of that where it's like a whole movie centered around one character. But these shows that you know they got such potential to them and yeah. John asks, this is an interesting question. Do you think we will see how slash why the Empire stopped using clones in the Bad Batch? I think it's definitely possible. It seems to be in the era, and that is a distinction between Legends and Canon, because in Legends, clones were used for quite a while, but in Canon, they're phased out pretty damn quickly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe we'll see part of that. Hopefully. That seems like a good thing for the show to try to, to tackle. Uh, Willie asks, if you got a call from Disney saying that you could bring any one character back from Star Wars Legends into Canon, who would you pick? Oh, uh, you go first. I gotta think about it um talon card yeah like i would say him thinking about not only which characters i really like but who would fit seamlessly into the universe yeah and a role that's kind of not super well filled right now Mm -hmm. i I love corin i'd like to see him run in i feel like we'll get a a corin character Mm -hmm. that isn't necessarily corin it's like a force sensitive pilot you think yeah, like that's definitely a story that we're gonna get. Maybe even with Rogue Squadron or the yeah the Rogue Squadron movie. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Favreau, Filoni, and the whole team share a common goal in making the Star Wars universe more cohesive? And that's an interesting question because this does seem to come down largely to filmmakers because like JJ, like it depends how closely you want to work with the story group. They're there, but like this is the thing about like the Pablo stuff that's been happening. People act like Pablo is the one making The Last Jedi or making whatever else, and it's not. Like, Pablo's a... He's an employee. He's not an executive. He's not a, a filmmaker. It seems to be, and we saw we see this in, you know, episode 9, for example, the directors choose to what degree they work with the story group. It's, it seems like Favreau and Filoni work with the story group a lot on certain things. And um, Filoni's bait... Like, is Filoni still part of the story group, or was he... I don't think so. I thought so. he was part of it. I'm not sure, maybe. But uh yeah, this seems to largely come down to like these people are creatives and I don't like it it's the story group's role seems mostly and this would be different for something like the High Republic, but the story group's role seems mo- more to help maintain consistency wherever possible. 
Yeah, but, they're kind of a resource, kind of like Leland Chi used to be, yes. where you could ask them these questions, they'll give you these suggestions, mm -hmm. but there are some projects that are kind of put higher in priority than other stuff, Yeah, uh, where they're kind of given more free reign, and I feel like the sequel trilogy had mm -hmm. more leeway to uh, just do whatever the director wanted to do, and I don't think like mm -hmm. uh, JJ or Ryan was especially interested in no. like, engaging with uh, exactly. any novels that were out or whatever. Which is funny because it seems like Colin Trevorrow totally was. Because if yeah. you read, I really wish we got Colin Trevorrow's episode nine. I feel like I would have liked that more. Yeah, I mean, we had the eclipse being broken out of Kuat. That's fucking sick. Yeah, you you used to have to get fucking forces of corruption for that shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it is true. I will say, I've also heard stories of the story group being almost insufferable when it comes to things like video games and books. Um, like I've just heard that there's so many things that like star wars takes so long to approve things for games and there's just like i just heard it can be miserable so mm -hmm. yeah. yeah which is it's funny basically because games... how high profile is your project the higher mm -hmm. profile the more you're kind of given yeah. uh free reign because like if you get jj abrams on a project and you tell him actually do everything we say about this minutia that's probably not why you're hiring jj abrams mm -hmm. whereas if you're getting these newer authors you kind of probably gonna bully them a bit more and i don't think that's very epic but uh that's kind of why they're hiring the people they are uh maybe one or two last questions you want to take this yeah. one from game over uh from game over no because i'm it's... can't find it 2038 that was the time it came in oh i, I was one pass sorry i was uh how exactly do dark side emotions work especially fear because i was confused when i saw season seven of clone wars fear is the path to dark side fear leads to anger anger leads to hate hate leads to suffering but fear on its own can't increase the power of the dark side user uh maul was terrified by sidious yet still lost to ahsoka she even mentioned how she isn't really fighting all that well so how does it work it's just like i think it just comes to like headspace it's like just increasing your power like doesn't mean you're going to win it's like it depends how you're fighting like like the dark side users are based on you know these negative emotions like fear and anger and they each have their own you know drawbacks and it's like with anger you're constantly like you're always on the threat of losing yourself like which is anger seems to be one of the it also seems like they're all kind of inherently tied to each other like yeah. just like yoda said fear leads to anger so it's like for anakin and part of the issue is too the whole the whole idea that dark side emotions make you more powerful is a fallacy as yoda explains in episode five yeah it's it's a cheap way to become powerful but you know you there's always the threat of all these bad things happening so yeah like the way that it's typically laid out i think is that uh by giving into these negative emotions uh with the light side argument would be that well you're kind of losing yourself and acting in a way that is going to be negative and deleterious to everyone else. But there's this metaphysical aspect to it where it actually shifts who you are and how you're going to act in the future rather than just being bad on its own. Like it would be if I got really angry and punched the mm -hmm. wall, but yeah. to the dark side people, it's basically no punching that wall is who you are. And that's acting within, uh, how you actually are as a person. You're using all of your resources. That's mm -hmm. how they would present it. Uh, and, I think that's usually what it comes down to. If you're afraid, you're more likely to just like lash out in fear and anger to the yeah. Jedi. That wouldn't be very good to the Sith. That is 
that is how you are going to accomplish your goals the best. Yeah, it's the whole idea that the more you give in to these emotions, the more they are consuming you, which is why like yeah. you're not even supposed to, uh, to to dip your toes in because I'm at the point in Rebels where Ezra's dealing with that. It's yeah. interesting. It's like, are you controlling your emotions? Or are your emotions controlling you? In the dark side, people would say, your emotions are you. Okay, I think maybe last question of the night. Uh, we've got one from Patrick who asks, this is a bit of a speculative question. Do you think Thrawn defeating the Gris will be the ultimate plot point for Ahsoka Mando Rangers? Uh, or do you think he's already defeated them? Uh, I think he's kind of also asking whether he th we think the Gris will kind of be the new sort of Yuzhan Vong where they pop in and give Thrawn a reason for being the way he is. Personally, I don't understand what they were going for with the Gris. Yeah. Like... I, I just feel like it, that's one case that shows the story group and kind of the lack of consistency, whereas it seems like Timothy Zahn is writing a different Thrawn than, than show Thrawn. And, like, I don't think the Grisk are ever going to go anywhere, unfortunately. Yeah. Because I don't think you'll ever, in Star Wars, despite what they say, I don't think you'll ever really have a whole show built around something that first started off in a book. And I think that also just makes it, like... That does kind of make sense, too, because the audience for a Star Wars book is always going to be exponentially smaller than the audience for a Star Wars show. So it's like you mm -hmm. risk alienating the much larger group. Yeah, like the Gris are at most just going to be like what Thrawn's dealing with in the Unknown Regions. And then when he shows up in the in the show, it's probably going to be more like Imperial mm -hmm. Thrawn. Because like Filoni seems to operate more off of like the OG... Thrawn trilogy Thrawn, whereas yeah. Zan has kind of moved past that and developed in a different way. We talked about this a bit with the mm -hmm. other Thrawn book, and I think we'll probably talk about it again in a couple months because I think it's only a couple months until yeah. the second one comes out. So, uh, But I guess that gets us into what we were going to talk about to close out the show, just kind of what's coming up soon. I know we, we missed out on uh, a bunch of the emails still. Maybe we'll have to do another Q&A. Well, we soon. got all the emails sent by regular podcast listeners. Yeah. Um, well, the emails that we're into now are coming from people watching the live stream, which I still appreciate, by the way, guys. So I guess if we don't get to your email today or if we if we didn't get to your email, um, probably best to send one sometime after today because I'm probably going to subconsciously lump all the emails we get today as live stream emails. Um, so send one after today. Yeah, you want to talk about what we're talking about for the next... Uh, you want to lay out what we're talking about for the next few episodes, Corey? Uh, yeah, so there have been some new releases that we're going to be talking about coming up. So next week, we are going to be talking about Light of the Jedi, which is the first of the High Republic books. Uh, we are going to have some guests. We're trying to have some guests, depending on how scheduling works out. Uh, should we say who they are so we can get people to... No, I don't want... Uh, no, I think... Th they they want to. It, it only yeah. depends if, if their schedule... I think we can say who they are. They wouldn't mind, I don't think. Yeah, so we are going to be trying to have both uh, Alex from Star Wars Explained and Mark from the Templin Institute on for next week's. Because uh, we've had Mark on the show a couple times. We've had Alex on the show a couple times. They're good friends. So I think getting them both on in the same place would be mm -hmm. fun. And Mark, uh, getting him to read a Star Wars book is less common. So this seems like a good seems like there's some divergent that. views as well. As much yeah. as you guys think we're all cucks or whatever else, like it seems like there's some divergent views. I feel like so I'm a lot a more positive about High Republic than you are so far. Uh, I'm well. I don't want to get into the whole discussion yet. But, yeah. Okay. Uh, I, it's not that I'm negative on it. It's just that uh, I'm not as positive as Alex, mm -hmm. and probably not as negative as Mark. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be a good continuum for us, I think. 
yeah yeah we got nerds of different flavors uh, uh yeah so the week after that so that that episode is going to be on the 14th i believe we're going to be back to our thursday update uh, yeah unless yeah it could just as easily be friday we're going to work out the scheduling with them tentatively it's thursday uh we're going to do our best to plan it around them uh as the guests to make sure that we can get them on because uh we do really want to yeah. get their thoughts on the book uh but the week after that or i think it is the week after that it might be so. the following week uh we're going to be having a good friend of mine from the thrones revenge development team uh evil bob the bob who is a uh, a practicing astronomer uh or an actual academic physicist so he's going to be coming on and we're going to be talking a bit about the physics of star wars so if you guys have any questions for bob we'll call this out at the start of the next episode as well uh, if you want to send them in to tapcaftransmissions at gmail.com, uh, we'll be talking about that for a whole episode and uh, going over. Prepare your black hole jokes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're talking about Dovin Basils the entire episode. So I can <laughs> swing it. The amount of power. Yeah. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fun. Uh, do you have any background with. I guess yeah, you're a, you're a humanities student, so you probably don't know shit about anything worthwhile, do you? Uh, I took all the high school level of hard science courses, and then I just went into history and poli science. <laughs> I I'm ripping on you being a humanities student. I'm a law student. You're Same thing. Law. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Chemistry well, lawyer. I know that I'm useless as well. So, other than that, I I guess once that's done, we'll probably return to. Uh, Young Jedi Knights. I forget what book we're on, but or which book we're on, but I'm excited to get back into that. We'll probably make our way through that, and eventually we've got Thrawn, and then eventually... What do we have next for the main Legends run? Is it... Is it Dark Fleet Crisis? No, it's, uh, it's no, we Callista. Were we gotta finish Callista. Because yeah. I think it's Dark Saber uh, next. Yeah. So... Yeah. Well, so we've got a good mix of... We're going to be a little canon-heavy for a while i'd say because we also have alphabet squad 3 coming out this year we've got uh lots of stuff and i, I think we'll probably talk about uh rebels at some point as well because we're both doing rewatches of that yeah yeah so there, because we're basically the plan that we're trying to do is uh the podcast should be back to every week now mm -hmm. we're close to every week yeah and we're going to be doing the thing where we do like a topical episode alternate that with a uh, a book episode or sometimes a topical episode will be a comic book or something because yeah. those are usually quick to read uh, we're, Empire, we're trying to maybe. make sure that we can have a consistent schedule while still being able to do other stuff like spend time with our families uh, yeah and there are other us. high republic books as well and yeah no I, don't pretend our family loves us anymore after the <laughs> 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 shit <laughs> all right well, I think that's uh, that's basically what we're doing. We've left Wasted Space hanging. We're going to play some Star Wars Squadrons. Uh, Charlie's keeping him entertained right now. But Oh, shit, it's 8.45. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, okay. Goodbye, everybody. Uh, make sure to send your emails to tapcaftransmissions at gmail.com and leave some nice reviews on your favorite podcast platforms. Anyone who can work the angle... Anyone who can work the word greasy into their review uh, will have the chance at having their review read out on the next podcast episode. Yeah, give us a nice greasy review. Yeah, but we will be streaming some Star Wars Squadrons over on X2 and Corey Loses with uh, fellow streamer Wasted Space, all-around cool guy. We're going to prepare for our entry into the new Squadrons League that's being started up. So, yeah, goodbye, everybody. Bye.